Welcome to the Circus Voices Podcast from CircusTalk.com. I'm Book Kennison. You're listening to See You Down the Road. True circus stories told by the artists who lived them. Today's episode, Joel Jeske. Joel Jeske is a clown, director, writer, and artist based in New York City. Joel came out as a gay man at a relatively advanced age. In this episode, he tells the story of his coming out and the events that followed. Here's Joel Jeske. Forty-one. I came out at 41. It was not a celebration. It was not an explosion. Uh, it was not even surrounded by friends. Uh, everyone's screaming, I am what I am. I finally uh, came to terms with myself, crouching at one end of an overstuffed leather couch in a marriage counselor's office. At that point, to be quite honest, my uh, marriage of seven years was basically dead. I think the first coffin nails were going in uh, when I went on tour with Big Apple Circus for the first time. When you're in a relationship or when you're married, that is, to another performer, there's an extra level of stress careers are going to diverge or one is going to take off and the other one isn't. We just grew farther and farther and farther apart. Growing up, it was very important uh, for my brother and I to be uh, good sons. First of all, I'm Midwestern. I was raised Lutheran. I know how to compartmentalize really well. I never really took uh, any of my uh, homosexual feelings seriously, um, other than they might manifest themselves in a really codependent male friendship. My brother had come out when I was still in college. And when my brother came out, he really took every aspect of gay life very seriously so he was volunteering for AIDS patients and he was fighting for gay rights how my parents felt about it wasn't that they didn't accept him they were accepting of it it's just that they were saying fine be gay just don't do anything about it my brother and I are very close and we're living near each other in Chicago, and a lot of these patients he would visit with and uh, take care of, I would go along with him. So here I am in my early 20s. I'm surrounded by, you know, either older gay men to which the party is over, holding their lives in their hand like a, like a, you know, like an egg, desperate not to drop it. At the same time, I'm looking at other gay men in the throes of AIDS, and there was a time uh, when I was uh, 
just out of college that there was literally a funeral almost every other week. I was trying to work this career in a way my parents understood. I always talk about, you know, that point of my life. It's like being on an airplane that never lands. We just, you're just circling the airport. And what do you do? What do you do while you're waiting to touch down and finally get on with your life? Well, you put on a clown show. <laughs> so that's what I did. Um, I put on a clown show in Chicago, got a little buzz about it, did a second one and then very much in secret auditioned and got accepted into Clown College. I was class of 96 in Clown College. After that, when I graduated, I was offered a contract to go on the Blue Unit. Going to Clown College and getting into Clown College, I thought, great, this is all going to work out. You know, I felt like this is what it's going to be. Anything that I felt whether it was attraction to people in Clown College, whether it was wanting that feeling of belonging, still, once again, very much kept it to myself. Even getting on the road, once I ended up on Ringling Brothers, you know, there was no consideration about really embracing my homosexuality. It was not a step into belonging. It was not a step into a community. It was, for the most part, a step away, further ostracizing myself. When I was on Kaleidoscape, I, I was transferred from the Blue Unit over to Kaleidoscape for its second year of its tour. And that's when I met my, that's when I met my, uh, my ex-wife. We had a long-distance relationship that seemed to be holding. When I left the circus, it was like, well, what are we going to do now? She was of an age and I was of an age that we naturally assume, okay, it's time for us to get married. Let's look for someone to get married to. We had been working professionals in New York for about seven years. I don't know if I was looking to get caught. I don't know if it's because um, I thought, I, I don't know if it, if it was passively I wanted out of my marriage. But while I was away on a gig, um, my wife basically found my homoerotic stash. She looked at it. She saw the place that she was in. She saw the state that our marriage was in. And she said... What the hell is all this? I said, let's at least go to a marriage counselor. So there was four days of living together. Every night we were talking well until three o'clock in the morning. And it was, and I don't know, I mean, I'm, now, I mean, it is, it is farcical reconsidering the conversations and what I was saying to her. What was I, what, what was going on in my brain? My uh, ex-wife um, decided to um, share our news 
with everybody via social media. My reaction was not to fight against it. Everything she was saying was, for the most part, true. Now, if she wanted to consider our seven-year marriage a fraud, then I'm going to let her do that because, for the most part, it was. In terms of the divorce, I just kind of took all responsibility for it. Just kind of stepped away from social media to let her, to let her vent. I didn't have anything being separated from my uh, wife, you know, struggling to make a career in New York City. The circus stepped in and gave me an opportunity, gave me a, a next step. Out of nowhere, really, an audition for Cirque du Soleil came along. And I didn't want to do it. It was for their new show, Banana Spiel. The audition came along from Cirque. I nailed it, I got offered a contract, and suddenly, you know, for the next year and a half or so, my direction was very clear. And that is one thing that I feel I owe a tremendous deal of gratitude to the circus for. You know, when you've got that contract, <laughs> the, the future is clear, you know, um, and so uh, it's, a, it's a tremendous benefit. I was performing in Germany. I was at the uh, uh, Apollo and uh, Dusseldorf. The housing situation, I was in this gigantic apartment. <laughs> I don't know why they gave me this huge apartment, but I was in this four-bedroom apartment. And it was sitting there, staring out at the town of Dusseldorf day after day, waiting for the show to happen, that I realized my surroundings are not going to define who I am. I can't look to a show. I can't look to these things to define myself. My parents were defined by their jobs and where they worked. We were all defined by where we lived. We were all defined by what church, every, it was all external things that defined who we were. And if there's gonna be a place that I belong, I have to belong to myself first. And so it was right about that time that online I connected with my, with my current partner. We communicated online for about a year and a half. We finally, we're gonna meet. He lived in North Carolina at the time when we were finally gonna meet. Um, I said, well, two things. Either I'm gonna come down to North Carolina, you're gonna come up to New York, what, what's it gonna be? And he said, well, um, I'm gonna come up to New York because he wasn't out to his family yet. Over a little bit of time, it got to the point where it was like, all right, his job was wrapping up in North Carolina, and I said, uh, well, you, you know, are we going to move in together? And we finally made a serious commitment to each other. We've been together now for 
seven years, eight years. Oh, don't, I hope he doesn't hear this because I'm going to get in a lot of trouble if I don't know how many years we've been together. I think almost including all the time we spent online, I think we've been like together for nine years. When we moved in, where I was home for two months, and then suddenly I got to go do German varieties for two years. And it was an experience for him because it got him out of, you know, never been out of the United States before. I have him flying across the Atlantic, visiting me wherever we were performing. I toured with Big Apple Circus in 2015 and 2017. He would join me on the road for a couple of weeks at a time. The best thing about it is he pursues his art. I pursue my art. Now we've got our children. We have our two rescue dogs. So it's like we've got our own little now. After all this time, it's like I've got an actual, I can, I can honestly and confidently claim that now I've actually got a family. is crying on the inside is a terrible clown because you get a tremendous amount of joy from causing laughter from 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 creating laughter in other people and creating that connection with the audience which is why you know I say no matter how troubled my brain was is that performance was my escape because I was out there making fresh connections with people, you know, sharing fresh energy. I can be sick as a dog, I can be in the worst mood in the, you know, on the face of the earth, but slapping on that makeup, putting on that costume, I find that the, the, the external trappings of being a clown to be incredibly uplifting. Yeah, a, cl a clown who's crying on the inside. It's not a very good clown. <laughs> a year ago no two years ago oh, don't remind me now I'm having another big you know artistic reevaluation of everything of where I stand and what I'm doing and, and am I pursuing this and am I pursuing that and do I want to tour anymore and all that type of thing what makes it different is having a man in my life having uh, having this small family our relationship has been embraced by his family. I've had him home uh, to, uh, to see my family. And there's that th sense now of there's, uh, there's that true sense of belonging. I belong to him. He belongs to me. The two dogs belong to us. Yes, they're dogs. <laughs> but, you know. It's easy for someone from the outside to look at somebody else and say, this is what this person needs. It's very difficult to, to acknowledge it when you're, you know, when you're in the midst of it. There are a lot of, a lot of decisions that I've made and directions I took. For example, you know, there's that idea of, should I have gotten married in the first place? Now, in retrospect, I'm like, well, what was that marriage? Who was that marriage for? And what was that marriage for? There's one thing I would change in the past 10 years or in the past 20 years, even past 25 years. I would trust more 
because so many of the decisions I made and so many of the directions I went and so much of the way I acted was fundamentally due to a fundamental lack of trust in everybody. If I were to uh, explain it or to analyze it, I would say I probably didn't trust myself to truly go and take that leap and know that I was going to be okay. Thanks to Joel Jeske for talking to us. See You Down the Road is produced by me and Zoe Kinnison. Our executive producer is Circus Talk. All of the music you heard in this episode was produced by me in Chicago, Illinois. Special thanks to Mike Dobson, Ferg Leeson, and Daphne Yuri for their help with this episode. For more about Joel and the people, places, and shows you just heard about, check the show notes at circustalk.com slash news. I'm Book Kinnison. See you down the road. Thanks for listening to the Circus Voices Podcast. For more circus news, jobs, auditions, and events, go to circustalk.com. Circus Talk is the leading online network for the international circus community. Circus Talk. We give circus a voice. <laughs>